Every now and then I will have a thought that comes to mind before we come to God's word that I think will strike a chord with you and I'll share that with you now. I think that it's possible that at the end of our time in God's word today there will be several people, maybe people who are familiar with this topic that we're going to be talking about or people that basically just have lived the Christian life and you are aware of the attacks that come and the struggles that come. And if you're one of these people, it's my suspicion that you might have several verses that come to mind as we're talking about what we will talk about today. It's likely that you might even have some personal illustrations, something that has happened to you in the past years, maybe even the past weeks, and you're going to have that highlighted in your mind. Oftentimes when we go through situations in this world that are difficult, um, that are struggles, they're tied to an emotion. So we remember them sometimes. And it's my suspicion that as we go through just this short section of Scripture today that I think many people will have those thoughts come flooding in. And if so, you can share them with me at some point. I'd love to hear your story or the special verse to you um, that maybe was an encouragement as you went through a time of temptation. Would you bow with me one more time for prayer? Gracious Father, as we open your word, we would ask that you would open our hearts. It would be my request that as much as is possible, distractions would be pushed away. I'd ask that the Holy Spirit within believers would uh, do a work of that, and also that you would allow us right now just to be intentional about being very present in this time. I thank you for your promise that you will give wisdom to those who ask for it, and we would ask for that now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I don't, I don't know how it is in your house when your trash can near your kitchen gets pretty close to full. But the way it works in my house is oftentimes it can be overflowing and some people can just push that thing down pretty far. About as far as you can imagine. And then even when it gets up to full again, you could push it down even more sometimes. I found myself in a situation in the past week in my home where it had been pushed down so much that nothing else could go in it, and yet still the trash did not get changed. And I'm not naming any names because I do that most of the time, but we had the overflowing trash can, which led to something happening that was interesting to me. We had some food that got put on this overflowed trash can, and we had just a small crumb fall off of that, a crumb that you wouldn't even be able to see as you were walking by. And yet, the next morning, I realized very soon that there was a crumb down there. How do you think I knew that there was a little sweet crumb that had fallen down on the floor? There was a big black section of ants that were all around that crumb. And while I might not have spotted that crumb, I could see those ants. And then I went into my exterminator mode to clean those ants up and Sometimes I'll even pull my kids over to show them what happens when food goes on the floor. I wasn't too worried about those ants. When that came up, I saw them. I knew where they came from. I kind of knew how it was going to end. There really wasn't a whole lot of danger that was involved. When you think of ants, you think of something so small. 
you might think to yourself, well, what, what possible danger could that cause? I'm going to come back at the end of my sermon today. I'm going to tell you another story about ants and a story about ants that could have been um, a horrible end. It could have actually been life-threatening with what happened, and I was able to observe something yesterday. I'm going to ask you to hang on for that. And as we look into God's Word today, I want to start by asking this question. What is your experience with how the devil likes to attack you? I will regularly say that we are all different And so the devil does not use a cookie cutter necessarily on us. He has his demons observing and he sees where we live and he observes our personality. And there will be different areas that he will attack that makes you feel not like a victor, but instead like a failure. And of course, as we studied the first three chapters in Ephesians, we understand very quickly that we are not fighting for victory, but we are fighting from victory. We win in the end. Having said that, God has left us here in this world. And when I ask a question like, how has Satan attacked you? What is his effective mode that he oftentimes returns to that feels like it knocks you off of your journey with Jesus Christ? Maybe it's a recurring problem in your life. The same problem that you have to deal with again and again and you think you've figured it out, you think you've got it solved and even as you've gone to God, but oftentimes that reoccurring problem can be so much of a struggle for us Perhaps you have an inability to trust. And I cannot jump into your minds and look at your history and your background. But if you are one that has a very difficult time trusting others, there's probably a good reason for that. There might be something inside of you that leans you that way. But I also know that the people that would come and join together as a fellowship every week carry a large amount of burdens things that we don't like to talk about at parties, things that you don't want to mention because of the shame that might come along with them. And while the devil does not know everything, he's a very good observer. And he knows how to attack you. He knows how to continue to keep you on that road where you are not able to trust, even family, even your church family that God would place you in. The wonderful reality that we see as we go through our journey with Jesus Christ is these areas that would look like a vulnerable area to us, God has a beautiful way of taking those and turning them into something that makes his sons and his daughters better soldiers in his army. So I'm not saying that I'm glad that you've been down that road before. I'm not saying I'm glad for the hurt that has come, but I am saying that we have a God that observes all of these things. He is omniscient, and no matter what it is, our God can take that, and he can use it in your life in some way to make you a better soldier. And I'm not using that word by accident. We're talking about spiritual warfare here. And specifically today, we want to ask the question, how do we get to this place that we can be used by God. And I want to suggest to us, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, it's by raising the shield of faith. 
as we go through our journey, we are going to be required to raise the shield of faith. Now, I understand that when I say that, that, that might be to some people this Christian jargon, right? What the devil does that mean, raise the shield of faith? Well, we're gonna talk about that today. All that to bring us to our text, Ephesians chapter six in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter six, please turn there. If you, if you don't have a Bible with you, please borrow one of the pew Bibles um, in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, please keep that as our gift to you. Ephesians chapter six, and we have slowed down in our study to where we're just covering really one piece of the spiritual armor at a time. If you're looking for a summary sentence, there's one on the board right there. I think it's fair to say we win as children of God when we choose to trust God. You need to hold on to that. We're gonna wrap our talk today all around that phrase. We win when we choose to trust God. And it's not a simple thing. God knows this is not going to be easy, but God understands that he's left us in this world, a world where we will have warfare, but he did not leave us in a place where we cannot have victory in our life. Hopefully, we've all caught the idea that as long as we are in this world, we are in a battle, and the devil, he hates God, And the devil hates anything that belongs to God. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then the devil hates you and wants to knock you off of your journey. Let's look at verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 6. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, when we look at the time frame when this was written, the Apostle Paul uh, being under arrest and Roman soldiers, we actually have our pick of several kinds of shields that Roman soldiers would have used. There were many kinds, and the word that Paul uses here is a specific word in the Greek, and it describes a large shield, likely four and a half by two and a half feet, and most of them were covered, covered with metal so they could deflect the arrows. Some were covered with a leather because oftentimes back in these days of battle, an arrow that was shot was like what we find in our text here, a flaming arrow. They would soak that in something and they would light it on fire and when that would hit something, it would spread and that would do a lot of damage to who they were firing those arrows at. And so sometimes a shield would be covered with leather and maybe even some, um, something of moisture on it to help put at that out, to extinguish that fire. Now maybe you're familiar a little bit uh, with how war worked back in those days when you would find a group of soldiers and they would be carrying shields like this. I know as I was studying, I had a mental picture come to mind of the soldiers that were out there, and all of a sudden the arrows are going to come flying at this group and try to knock out as many as possible before the armies would get close to each other. And maybe you had the, you'll, you'll have the picture like I did of these different soldiers scooting in together side by side, letting their shields overlap one with another and maybe even on top. That's the picture we need to have in mind from this large shield that a soldier would carry, a wall of protection that was coming. Now, don't miss the picture here because as you and I walk in this world, we don't face that kind of physical danger on a regular basis, not in the day I live in anyway, in the place where I live. 
But when the enemy gets going and the battle gets hot and the arrows are flying, and as I have said, we need to understand that they're going to come. And even when you are successful at deflecting those arrows, we cannot let our guard down. That's exactly what the devil and his demons are waiting for. They're waiting for us to lower our guard. We need to constantly keep up the shield of faith. Now, before we talk more about that shield of faith and what that means for us to have victory in this world, I want to talk about those fiery darts. These fiery darts, what exactly are these? I want to suggest that the fiery darts are the promises of God to protect us against seducing temptations. When you are in this world, there are some, ta- some temptations that are going to come and sometimes it will feel so powerful. You will talk maybe under your breath. Why is this so hard? Why is this temptation so strong? Why can't I just go a little while without, without being pulled in this direction that I don't want to be pulled in? Satan has arrows. He has arrows of fear. He loves to make you fearful. Fearful of what might happen tomorrow. Fearful of what someone might think of you. Fearful of your own failure. The devil will shoot an arrow of fear. The arrow of selfishness. Oh boy, how long can we talk about this? The arrow of selfishness. That temptation that would come for us to turn to ourselves to get to the point where we look around and we say, you know what, I think I've got something better coming to myself. It's about time I took care of me. And this idea of selfishness and putting, pushing others aside. And we can make good cases for this. By the way, if I were want to want to give you an assignment, we can take all of these things and maybe even ask you to give Bible verses. Sometimes we can twist these in a way, wait, we can twist these in a way that the devil would and make it sound like something that would be a good thing for you. Maybe even something that a good Christian would have in their life. You see, that's what the devil does. He's a great counterfeiter, and he wants to pull you in, and so he's not going to come with his end game in mind, and that is to make you ineffective in your Christian walk, or, if you're not saved today, make you think that you're good enough so you will not be with God forever, but spend eternity in a place called hell. The devil has ways of attacking. He has an arrow of greed, an arrow of greed. And all of these would require study on our part, an arrow of addiction. Let me say this. Perhaps Satan is more effective not when he brings some huge temptation your way. So imagine a huge temptation that might knock you off, something huge, something that might make the papers Perhaps the devil is more effective not when he brings some huge temptation your way, but maybe he's having more of an impact in his goal in this world when he just brings a small temptation towards a small step away from God, even to the point where nobody would even think twice of it. You might see good people that are doing that same thing. And when we give in, On some of these small areas, we take a little step farther away from God and closer to where the devil would want us to be. And you might think to yourself, well, that's not that bad. How is that worse than a huge step? 
after dozens and dozens and dozens of small steps away from where God wants us to be. It starts very, very small. It starts with this, a little piece of candy over here, maybe worth two cents, and you take that without paying for it, wherever it is. Who's going to miss that? Maybe even some good people wouldn't even care about that. And it starts with something small. But some of you are able to go in your mind and fast forward to the point where the individual is having their name show up in the paper. Why? Usually that first step is not a huge step. It's usually a small step. God wants us to instill within ourselves disciplines that he gives us in his word to not only keep us from taking that huge step, but he wants to keep us from taking that small step because the devil knows that is where it starts. Those small steps can take a huge toll until finally, in the end, we will see a great fall. Any, any temptation that's going to come to you will be based out of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. They can all be narrowed down to one of those three foundations. And the devil is going to bombard the believer with these kinds of temptations. The devil is the father of all lies, and the great liar's goal is that we will believe him instead of Christ. And this is foundational to what we're talking about. The way you're going to not lift up the shield of faith is when you believe the word of the devil over the word of God. Now, when I say it out loud like that, you think, well, I would never do that. I would never call God a liar. But if you trace when you gave in to a foundation, I'm going to suggest to us that that's exactly what happened. You said, I will believe the devil and I will not believe God. God has given us a defense against temptation called the shield of faith. Now, what do we mean by this? What is the shield of faith? Why is it that faith is the main idea here in this piece of spiritual armor against temptation? Well, God promises that as we raise the shield of faith that we will be able to deflect or extinguish those flaming arrows. When we use the word faith, we are simply talking about this. We are simply talking about, I believe God. God has said it, and I will believe God. One writer said, the whole of Christianity is an act of believing that God is and that God will faithfully reward those who seek after him. So what do you believe? We believe the Bible. We believe that God sent his son from heaven to die on a cross. We believe that Christ is God, that he died and he rose from the grave and he's coming again. We believe what God says and it's so important for us to understand the faith that is involved. When we look at the book of Habakkuk and Romans and Galatians and Hebrews, we find the words, the just shall live by faith. Faith is our life. Faith is a matter of believing. It's not just a matter of saying it, right? It's not just a matter of knowing it, right? Believing is when there is action that's there. Let me give you an illustration. 
Let's say I go to my daughter and I say, I want you to clean your room. And let's say she comes back a few hours later and she says, Dad, you know what? But that thing you told me earlier, I memorized that. I, Emma, I want you to clean your room. I've got it memorized. And maybe even a little bit further, she says, hey, Dad, guess what? That thing you told me earlier, I had a study group and we memorized how to say that in the Greek. So we're making some good progress here, Dad. And then maybe, you know, Dad, you know, we had a process of going through of how this could actually be done. So I want to let you know, Dad, I'm hearing what you're saying. And so, Dad, we're good. We're not good, are we? We are good when she does what? When she cleans her room. Listen, brothers and sisters, it is not just enough to know it. You have to act on that. It's going to come through in your life and in your actions if, if faith is believing, then the attacks of the devil that are going to be successful are when you say, I believe the devil rather than God. A great fall is not going to be instant, I don't think. I think it comes as the arrows will come again and again and again. And an arrow might come and dig into a part of your body. And you might be able to go on. But after all of these arrows keep coming, there is going to be a big price that will be paid you see, a long time ago, God created a perfect environment. Did you know this? God created a perfect environment a long time ago with a perfect man and a perfect woman. And Satan disguised himself as a serpent. And what did Satan say? What did he say to Eve when he went to tempt her? You see, this is at the heart of how he still works today. Are you going to believe Satan or are you going to believe God? The devil said, has God really said? What did he try to get Eve to doubt? He tried to get Eve to doubt a few things about God. First of all, that God had her best interest in mind. He got her to doubt that God knew exactly the way that she should go to have joy in this world. He would say something like this, you know, God doesn't want you to know good and evil because then you're going to be like God is. You see why he doesn't want you to know that? God doesn't like the competition. And that's exactly why you should go down this road here. You can't trust God, he would say. And Satan was tempting them to doubt God and to believe him. I think it's accurate to say that every temptation that we face comes down to this. We believe the devil and not God. He doesn't tempt you to go and eat some kind of fruit today, does he? He doesn't do that. What does the devil say, though? He says, God said that he would give you joy and happiness in this world if you follow him. Has God done that? The devil's gonna come in at a time when you're facing struggle. You're facing some um, of the sharpening times that God has for us, that refining fire. And the devil will say, don't believe God. God doesn't keep his word. And he will give you all kinds of lies that are examples as to why you should believe him and not God I, I went through a, um, I viewed a, a debate, a, a debate against someone who is an atheist, there is no God, against someone who is a believer. 
And as I got, I, I got through with this, I think it was two hours of a debate that I was able to observe and listen to. And I got through and I went, man, that guy on the atheist side, he has really got an inroad with the audience because everybody in the audience loves to hear you deserve better. You shouldn't have anybody over you. You should not think that there is one who has created you and that you have to bow down to him. And everybody, and even we believers sometimes, if we are not walking close by God, will buy into that. And this Christian apologist, I think, did a masterful job in presenting his arguments. And I can just remember seeing this atheist and they were seated on a stage and he put his leg up on the counter. He was so smug And I thought to myself, my goodness, every one of us wants to hear exactly what he is saying. There's no accountability with God. That's what so many people want to hear, and that's the lie the devil will give you. The devil will say, believe me, do it my way. We're both going towards the same end, joy and happiness, but my way is a pleasurable way. It doesn't involve any of this refining fire that God tells you you will have. Jesus Christ said you'll have tribulation in this world. Why don't you come my way and you don't have to go through that tribulation? This is the lie of the devil. I know many people have had it written in the, in the notes of their, note section of their Bible or in a blank spot about sin, that sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. And sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. You see, we don't see that big step. We see that small little area and we give into that. And God says we need to hold up the shield of faith, which means we believe God. Even if we cannot see it right then, we believe God. God says, you know, that money doesn't really belong to you. If you really take a look at it, that belongs to somebody else. Satan says this is going to make up for when you were done wrong not too long ago, when you lost some money. God might say to you, don't allow somebody else to take the blame for that. You can just do nothing and let somebody else take the blame for that. And Satan will say, you know what, you made an honest mistake here. That person probably has it coming. God says, do not marry an unbeliever. Do not marry someone who's not a Christian. What does Satan say? Satan says, they said they'd do anything for you. It's likely they'll become a Christian after you guys get saved. You can talk them into it after you get married. God says, do not set anything that is wicked before your eyes. And Satan says, it's not hurting anyone, just a little tiny bit. Who do you believe when you give in to temptation? When you sin, you are saying, I believe the devil. It is this simple. And the shield of faith says, I will believe God. We hold up the shield of faith and it protects us throughout our lives. We keep it up because the devil wants to get any kind of a foothold in our life anywhere And what we need to do is hold up the shield of faith and put all of our trust in God in every area. We do not carve out some section that God does not get to own. 
everything is, is, is resting on him. When the great missionary John Payton was translating the scripture for the South Sea Islanders, he was discouraged when he found out that those natives, they had no word in their language that would translate into faith. There was no word that translated into trust. And this is such a main theme for the scriptures and in the idea of someone understand, understanding salvation. And so he struggled with how to convey this idea. And then one day there was a native that was running to come and see him. He ran for a long stretch. He ran up the stairs. He was out of breath. And when he finally got in Peyton's um, study there, there was a chair and he flopped himself down in the chair. And when he did, he said these words, it is so good to rest my whole weight in this chair. And Peyton had his answer. That is how he translated the word faith, to rest our whole weight upon God. If God is anything, listen to me, if God is anything to us, then God is everything to us. If one of his promises is worth believing, then they are all worth believing. Now what does God offer to us? God stands before you with open hands and God says, I am a good father. And if you ask me for bread, will a good father give you a stone? No, a good father won't. God says, I want to bless you with all spiritual blessings. God says, I want to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings so much that you can't even handle them all. This is what God says. And so often we choose to believe Satan. Satan says, I've got the same blessings and my road to get there is a whole lot easier, so come my way. God's word says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We know this song, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? And all these things will be added to you. That is God's promise to you. Seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And you can go and study that passage and see what he's talking about there. It's beautiful. And what do we do? So often we run through life sinking, seeking all of the things that should be added that's our focus. That's what we want, missing the blessings of God. All right, what can we do with this, with this shield of faith? First of all, raise the shield of faith. What does that mean? We raise the shield of faith when we take God at his word. There is never a time when God has lied and the devil is the father of all lies. So take God at his word. And then the second thing we can do, and this is a little bit long, but I, I just could not shorten it. Write the whole thing down. The second thing we can do because of this is be suspicious of amazing offers that would bypass God's ways or would diminish in any part God's ways. So please catch that. If you're taking notes, write down the whole thing. Be suspicious of any amazing offers that's in quotes, that would bypass or diminish any part of God's ways. What, that might, what, what might that look like? 
It might look like this. You know, you're gonna get around to these spiritual habits in your life someday. Right now, you've got some important stuff to take care of. Someday, you'll get to those spiritual things in your life. It's okay. You can put them off. There's more important things right now. It might sound like the devil saying, hey, look at her. Look how happy that one is. They didn't go the route you're going, and they've got amazing, they've got an amazing life. Let's do it that way instead. Or that basic statement, did God really say this? And that's why you've got to know what God says. Did God really say that? Well, how are we going to know that? In God's word. I told you I was going to bring you back to a story about um, ants, I believe so. Yesterday, as I was um, out with my wife and we were on a bike ride, we were uh, driving or going down the bike path here in town, and I'm very thankful for that. And we went um, on a long ride yesterday, and we took a little water break, and then we started to go just past some tennis courts across from the hospital, and we're going through the woods And as we were going through the woods on the bike path, I was behind Tina, and we were going down, and I said, I said, do you hear that? And we heard something off in the woods. I couldn't figure out what it was. It sounded like somebody doing something out there in the woods. And I said, slow down. And we heard something, and then we went, and we heard a very loud crack. And then we stopped our bikes, and right in front of us, from about 25 feet high, was this branch that you see on the screen. Now, that's not a tree. That's a branch. There were at least six branches this big hanging over the bike path. And as we heard that crack, and as we came and stopped our bikes, this fell about 20 feet in front of our ride, just right there in front of us. And we stopped, and we were taken back a bit. There were people that heard the crack, probably the the breaking of the back of that tree from quite some ways away, and they came walking towards us, and we stopped and looked at it, and of course, you know what we do today, we we take pictures of everything with our phone. And I took a picture of this, maybe you can see that lady climbing over that branch. This fell about 20 feet in front of us, and as somebody else came along, he said, yeah, I think I know what it was, and we walked over and looked just to the left side, and there they were. Thousands upon thousands of little carpenter ants are eating away at this tree. Now, if I was out on that path and I saw one little ant go by, would I have my radar go up to stomp on that guy because of the danger that was there? No, I'd let him go. I don't see any big danger that's coming. And that one ant getting up in that tree probably couldn't have caused much at all to happen, even over a long amount of time. But when there was one attack after another, after another, after another, at the strength of that tree, and let me just add, from the outside, it looked just fine. Couldn't tell by looking at the outside of it. And yet there was a crack, and great was the fall of it because those ants were in there and they were digging away and they had nothing to stop them. Brothers and sisters, understand that we have an enemy and he's not gonna bring this huge leap for you to jump over. It's gonna start in a small way. It's gonna be a fiery dart of temptation. And he's gonna say, nobody will know. 
Nobody's watching. And we get farther and farther away from where God wants us to be, right close by him. And we get closer and closer to where the devil wants us to be and understand that great will be the fall when we get so far away. If the devil can't have you in hell with him, he wants to make you ineffective in this world. And so what has God given us? Just to pray for heaven to come today? No, God has given us the shield of faith. We believe what God has said, and this deflects, it extinguishes those fiery arrows. And this is why you don't have to fear tomorrow. This is why you don't have to doubt God's plan. God said it. I don't understand it. That's okay. He said it. And you'll go through a season of life and it's dark and you cannot see his light. And that's okay. Hold up the shield of faith. Be on guard for the promises that the devil would give and hold on to what God has told you because God is truth. Let's pray. Father, there is no doubt that The enemies that are against us are vast and they are wise. They are schemers and there is no doubt that as we would walk in this world, the devil wants to knock us down and I thank you. I thank you for what you've given us, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, Christian brothers and sisters that can encourage us and sometimes rebuke us. God, how good you are. I thank you that you've not left us, that you've not left us in this world to go without the ability to see victory, but you've given us exactly what we need for that. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm gonna give you a chance to pray here. I'm gonna ask Anna to play through a stanza on this song. Maybe God has spoken to you about something today. This is a chance for you to pray and talk to God about that, do some business with him. If you are here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are not sure where you will go after your time in this world is done, heaven or hell, you can right now ask God to forgive you of your sins and make Jesus Christ your King and Savior. Take just a moment to pray as the piano plays through.